are, how mature you are, uh, we all have a next step to take in in life. There's always a step that we're going to. We never fully arrive. God always has us moving from one place to the other. That's just the way it works in life. The Bible calls it seasons, and we go through seasons in life, and we do different things in those seasons, but it's all about taking next steps. And so wherever you are today, God has a next step planned for you. The question is, what is that next step? Recently, a church did a poll. They asked all the people in their church, did this big poll, and they asked them to rank the questions that they have. If they could ask God a question, what would it be? Number one, and there wasn't even a close, number two. Number one was this, God, what is your plan for my life? God, what is your plan for my life? How many people, if you're 50 and above, go ahead and raise your hands this morning. Can I see your hands? Can I ask you guys a question? Are y'all wondering, you know, what you're going to be when you grow up? Can I ask you that question? The 50 year old and above, you're going, yeah, when I grow up, I'm going to be an astronaut. You know, can I just tell you right now, the teenagers down here in the front, you're probably going, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. They're thinking the exact same thing. It's okay. Okay, because we all wonder, what's going to happen? And that's the big question. What am I going to be? What's going to go on in my life? You know, and, and so that's a huge thing. And it's the number one question that most people have in their relationship with God. God, what is it you want me to do? What is that next step for me? And we're going to talk about that today. If you've got your Bibles uh, or you can look on the screen, the notes have them as well. Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read out of three versions, teach you a little Hebrew here this morning. Uh, the Bible says, uh, Proverbs 29, 18 in the King James, where there is no vision, the people perish. Everybody say Vision. Okay, here's the deal. That word vision, the translation is the, is the Hebrew word halzon, halzon. Now, what does that make you think of when I say halzon? Calzone. I thought the same thing. So now Pizza Hut owes me money because you're all going there for lunch having calzones. But I thought the same thing. It sounds like calzone, but it means halzone. Here's what the translation is of this word, vision. It means a personal revelation for your life a personal revelation for your life. So if the question is, God, what is your plan for me? The scripture says, where there is no vision or plan for you, the people what? Perish. Let's read the next scripture. This is out of the NIV, same verse. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, if you don't have a purpose, you'll do anything. Now think about that. Some of you in your life would say, that was me. If you don't have a reason for doing something, you're just liable to do anything because there's no purpose. Purpose focuses you. If you know what your purpose is, it's easy to stay on target and go, yep, I'm trying to go down there, so I'm not going to drive over here or I'm not going to go down over there. I am going to be walking with purpose. How many of you like to shop? Can I see your hands? Wow, big hands going up. Yes. Men, how many of you like to shop? Yes. Look, nobody, Marty, not one hand. That's awesome. How many of, okay, let me ask another question. I'm about to cause conflict right now. Men, how many of you get to go shop with your wife? Come on, can I see your significant other? Let me see, yes. Yeah, I've got half-hearted hands going up everywhere. Trish and I have a deal. We've known each other, you know, we've been married 26 years, and so she likes to shop, and so we have this deal. I usually ask the question, before we go into whatever store it is, and it doesn't matter whatever the store is, I'll say these words, are we shopping or buying? Are we shopping or buying? And let me tell you why that's an important question, because shopping means we're going to be there for the next three hours. 
and we don't know exactly what we're looking for, right? Security, <laughs> security. <laughs> Buying, if she says, hey, we're just picking up a couple of things on the list, now I go into a different mode, guys, right? Now I'm hunting. This is fun for me. I don't even care what it is. I don't even have to understand what it is. I will go in, I will find the first person in blue <laughs> and say, I need this thing. Why? Because I'm hunting and I'm going to set a record for finding this thing and getting out of here. Amen? Because I'm not interested in buying, I'm, interested in, I'm not interested in shopping, I'm interested in buying. Here's the, here's the difference. Shopping, there's no real vision, we're just chilling. Buying is I'm focused on a target. Some of us in life are shopping. We're just kind of wandering around. We're not really sure what our purpose is, and we can waste a whole lot of time doing that, can't we? Some of you would say in your life you've done that. I'll give you another example. How many of you have ever been to a greyhound race? Anybody ever been to a greyhound race? I've never been. Uh, how many of you ever been to a horse race? Okay. Here's the difference between a horse race and a greyhound race. About four feet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the horses have a jockey, right? And the jockey guides the horse. The horse just runs, right? That's the difference. The greyhound, there are no midgets riding you know, that, that does not happen. There is no monkey. They're, they're, the greyhound is running. And so what they do, what they used to do, a gentleman in first service corrected me. What they used to do is they put a fake rabbit on an electric rail, right? And it would go around the track. And they would release the rabbit. So the rabbit takes off. And then the gates open. And then the greyhounds chase the greyhound that, or chase the rabbit. That's how that worked. Well, a few years ago, true story, down in the south somewhere, rabbit takes off. Gates open, dogs are running, but something malfunctioned, and the rabbit exploded. <laughs> Probably had something to do with the teenager, right? But the rabbit just, it just, whatever reason, it just went nuts. Pieces of rabbit go everywhere. It's not a real rabbit, y'all. Some of you are like, really? No, it's a fake mechanical rabbit. But it just, stuff goes everywhere, right? So here's what happened. Interesting fact. Three different things happened. The rabbit goes nuts. Some of the dogs, realizing that there was no longer anything to chase, just laid down. They're like, you know, I'm not running. This is not okay. You know, time for a rest. Some of the other dogs started running around in circles, barking. They didn't know what was going on. They're going crazy, right? They're just running around in circles. The third group ran over to where the fence was, where all the people are, and just starts barking at all the people. Here's what I think is interesting about that. That's what people do in life. Without a vision, without a reason to run, some people are depressed and they don't even want to get out of their house. They have no purpose. There's no reason to get up in the morning. And you and I know people like that. Maybe today that's even you. If so, then you're here at the right place. Or maybe you're like one of those people that you don't have a vision, so you're just running around in circles. You're shopping, okay? I mean, you don't know what's going on. You're just kind of living life, chasing your tail, whatever. You don't really have a purpose. The third group of people are the ones that run up to the fence and bark at you and everybody around you. They're unhappy, so what are they going to do? Make you unhappy. They're, they're the ones that are unhappy in life, and so because they don't have a purpose themselves, they're going to take it out on everybody around them. Interesting how we can learn from animals and nature and what God kind of shows us there. And that's what happens in life. When you don't know what your vision is, when you don't have a personal revelation, that's a problem. 
And so this series is about helping you lock into that a little bit. It's about helping you find that place. Last week, how many of you were here last week for service? Many of you? How many of you were somewhere last week for Easter? Okay. How many of you know what Easter is? Can I see your hands? Good. We're all on the same page. We talked last week, for those of you that were here, you know what Easter's about. Jesus suffered on Good Friday. The Bible tells us that he was beaten to the point where you couldn't recognize him. He carried his own cross. He wore a crown of thorns. And what's interesting to me about that, because of the series that we talked about before, is that how we were created in God's image. And I've come to a revelation. And if you're, if you're one of these people today, I don't mean to offend you. I don't believe there are any atheists. I really don't. I think there may be people that aren't sure if there's a God, but deep down inside, I don't think there's anybody that's an atheist, and I'll tell you why. Because we are created in God's image, and so inside every one of us, there's something inside of us that says there's more than just this. And if you were to ask an atheist, and if they were to get really honest with you, they know better than that. Let me just tell you something. If you're not sure, next time, walk outside. When there's no moon at nighttime and look up at those stars and tell me you don't know there's something else. We are built, we are wired from the factory, if you will, for a place in our lives that we know that there's a God. And the reason that people's number one question is what is my purpose in life is because they realize there's a wiring in there that says there's more than what you're doing. And now there's this search to find out what it is. But here's what I'm convinced of. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that many of us in life live underneath the potential that Jesus died for. This is the big thought that I've written on your notes today. Some of you are living a life that is less than what Jesus paid for. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I kept this in here on purpose, Aaron, because I think of when Jesus wore this, when Jesus took the stripes for me, When Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't do all that just so I'd be okay. He didn't wear this just so you could just slide by in life. He didn't do that. He paid an incredible price because you have an incredible life. He didn't just die so that you may get into heaven one day. He died so that you could live a life that was worth living, if that makes more sense to you. He, he gave you a life so you'd want to get up in the morning and do something. That's the price that he paid. And I want you to think about that because it's the truth. It's the truth. Think about this. Jesus said it this way. He said, the, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full and overflowing. He came that we could have a life worth living. So my question to you, friends, is this. Are you living that kind of life? Because when you think about purpose and you think about what God's created for you, are you just getting by, hoping you make it into heaven? Or are you walking in the fullness of what God's called you to and not just what he's called you to, what he died so that you could have? I think about that stuff. And I want to tell you something. If you've been around here more than 10 minutes, you realize we're not playing church. If we ever decide we're going to play church, just we're, we're done. Because we're not here to play church. 
We're to help you find your place in life and become the person that God's called you to be, to live that life worth living, to find your place, to be the kind of parent you want to be, the grandparent you want to be, the boss, the employee, to have a life where you can't wait to get up in the morning. I mean, I'm telling you, my alarm went off early. Like chickens were like, dude, what are you doing up? (laughs) Right? I mean, because I'm excited to come in here and get to share this with you because I know there's going to be somebody or somebody's today that are going to get a hold of this, and it's going to change your everything. That's exciting to me. That's exciting to me because some of you are just existing. And Jesus did not die and pay that price just so you could exist. He died so that you could have a life that would be worth something. Listen to this, Psalm 16, verse 11 says this. You will show me, he's talking about God. God, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So why are we not living at that level? What did Jesus die for really? What does that look like? I've got four things on your notes, and I'm just going to jump into these real quick because it's not the main purpose of the message, but I think it's important. Why did Jesus wear this? Why did he hang on the cross? Why did he go through what he went through? Look at your notes. The first one is so that you could know God. So that you could know God. K-N-O-W, know God. What does that mean? That that, That word know in the Greek is gnosko, and it means have an intimate relationship with. Intimately know God. I don't mean know about God. I mean, so that you could know him. Think about what we talked about last week. When Jesus spoke to Mary Magdalene after he rose from the dead, he said, go tell the disciples, go tell my brothers that I'm going to my God and your God, to my father and your father. Now, that's important, and he said that first. Why is that important? That word father translated as daddy. Jesus talked when he said those words, I've knocked down all these barriers. I've borne this crown. I have hung on this cross. I have risen again so that you could have an intimate relationship with your father. You you can have an intimate relationship with your dad. Now, some of you may not have a relationship with your dad, or it might be a bad one. But that's not the kind of relationship that we're talking about. We're talking about a perfect relationship with God. We're talking about a God that loves you so much. He knows your name that created every cell in your body that has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he loved you so much that he sent his son to take your place so that you could know him. That's why we were created in the first place, so that we could know him. The second thing that Jesus would died for so that we would know is to find freedom. Jesus said he came to set the captives free and heal the brokenhearted. And what does that mean? That means to get over your hang-ups, to get past your past. Jesus came to set you free from your past. Some of you, that's difficult. I know people that are still living 20 years ago in something they did that they can't get past. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to set you free from that so that you wouldn't have to live back in that anymore. You can become a new person. Somebody name a hero of the Bible. Somebody. David, murderer, adulterer. Somebody else. Samson. He was a piece of work, wasn't he? It's kind of like, looked like me with long hair. (laughs) Samson. Did he have issues? Yeah, he had some issues. Somebody else. John. John was a pretty good guy. 
Of course, John, I think, may have liked himself a little bit because in his book, he constantly said the disciple whom Jesus loved. (laughs) Have y'all noticed that? He's like, the disciple that Jesus loved, better than Peter. (laughs) So I don't know. That's just interesting. Who else? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, yeah, Jeremiah. (laughs) Crying prophet, they called him. Dealt with some depression. Somebody else? Samuel. He's a pretty smart dude. I like Samuel. He had no issues. Well, he had Saul. (laughs) Who else? Peter. Peter cut off people's ears, man. Don't idolize Peter. He's cut off people's ears. Here's my point. Every one of those people had stuff. Murderers, adulterers, depression, all kinds of issues. But God had a plan for them. And when they lined their life up with who he called them to be, he was able to change things for them. And it's no different for me and you. And Jesus came and died, took your punishment and rose again so that you could have a life worth living. But he wants to set you free from your past. Because you can't live in the future that he has for you if you're holding on back here. Do you understand? And he came to set you free from that. He also came to set you free from your hang-ups and your addictions. Some of you maybe have things that are holding on to you. He came to set you free from that too. He came to set you free from all those things. And that is the truth. Here's the other thing that Jesus came to do. He came to help you discover your purpose. Every person in this room has a purpose in God's kingdom. Everybody does. Mark Twain said this. This is a cool quote. Y'all know who Mark Twain is? Yeah, yeah. Three of you, the English teachers are like, I have failed in life. No, we know who Mark Twain is. Mark Twain said this, the two greatest days in your life are number one, the day you're born. Number two, the day that you find your purpose. The day that you realize why you were born and you have a life worth living. He said, and I would agree with him. When you finally are doing the thing that God called you to do, it's not like working anymore. It's the get to, amen? And can I tell you something? I'm going to jump around a little bit because that's kind of how I roll. Your purpose and your job may not be the same thing. And that's okay. Do you know that Paul was a tent maker? He made tents. 1995 plus tax. No, but he made tents. He had a job, but he was the greatest missionary that ever lived. But he had a job. So, so don't feel like that if your purpose means you're not working anymore. Your purpose means you, you're working to pay the bills. Guys, your wife will like it better if you have electricity in your house. Okay? Amen. See? That's how we do it. But the reality is that may not be your purpose, but can I tell you this? Your, your purpose may be found in where you work because of where God has placed you. But we all have one. And here's the final reason that Jesus came. You ready for this? So you could make a difference. So that you could make a difference. You were created to make a difference. Listen to this. This is John 15, verse 8. This is Jesus talking. This is what he said. This is to my Father's glory. This glorifies God. That you bear much fruit. And so show yourselves to be my disciples. Now listen to this next part. This is really key. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
Now, if you're not careful, you'll just gloss over this and you won't think about it at all. But Jesus is saying this, look, God gets glory when you are fruitful in life, when you are successful, when you are, when you are bearing fruit, God gets glory, okay? But when you're being a disciple, when you're walking after Jesus, when you're becoming a disciple, being fruitful in your life is going to happen, But notice what he says here. When you're living that kind of life as a disciple that's bearing fruit, what is the outcome? The outcome is Jesus' joy is going to be in you and your joy is going to be complete. How many of you want to be happy in life? Can I see your hands? Okay. Let's do a different poll. How many of you want to be completely miserable for the rest of your life? Can I see your hands? Good. So nobody does. Jesus is saying right here, if you want to find joy in life, then what you need to do is grow into being a disciple and start bearing fruit. In other words, start making a difference. Start making a difference. I'm not up here because I like to hear myself talk. I'm here because I want to make a difference in your life. I believe that God wants to change you forever. I'm here because of what he did in my life. And I believe he wants to do something amazing in your life so that you can have joy and that you can have a life worth living and that you can make a difference. And guys, that matters. That matters. That gives you purpose. So let's talk about your ultimate purpose. And I should have put this your instead of my. Looking at your notes, number three, or page three on my notes. My ultimate purpose. John 17, verse 18 in the message says this. Jesus, in the night before he was, it was the night he was betrayed, he's in the garden. And this is what he said. He said, Father, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a what? You gave me a mission, and now I am going to give them a mission. Acts 20 verse 24 says this out of the New Century Version. This is Paul talking. He says, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete what? My mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. Now, I told you a minute ago there's a difference between having a job and having a vision or a mission. They can be the same thing, and they may overlap at times, but they may be totally separate. Paul had a job, but he had a mission. Paul had a job, but he had a mission. Now, the next, the next verse is going to help clarify this a little bit. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we, who is we? Who is we? Children of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a we. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're a we too. Now go, we. Well, some of y'all did. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> Teenagers are like, man, that's not cool. <laughs> Listen to this. For we are God's workmanship. That's everybody in this room. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand in advance for us to do. We are created on purpose with purpose. Every one of us in this room. And we are his workmanship to do that. And it's not so much about our job. It's about we realize we're on mission. Every one of us is on mission, just like Paul was. I'm going to explain that again in a minute. Look at Acts 1, verse 8. This is Jesus talking, and this is what he's saying as he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. These are some of the last words that he says, okay? You ready? 
you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How many of you have ever seen one of those shows where they, they have a, a jury going on and they call a witness? Have you ever seen a show like that? They have a witness. What is the witness's job? What does the witness do? Somebody? Tell the truth. What else do they do? Yeah, tell a story. What else? Tell what they saw. That's what a witness does. A witness, they don't have to know everything. The judge brings them up there or, the, or the, the attorney brings them up there and says, tell us what you saw. That's what a witness does. So when we are called to be witnesses of the gospel, two things happen here. One, we understand what Jesus did on the cross, guys. We understand what Easter's about. We understand that Jesus came to set us free. But there's a second part of this that every person who's a Christ follower can do. I'm going to tell you what he did for me. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for me. See, I can do that. I don't have, I'm not a theologian. I, I don't understand the Bible backwards and forwards. There's some things that I don't get all the way, but you know what I do know is that when I was 16 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything for me, and I can tell you about that. Now, I've learned some other stuff since then, but at 16 years old, I didn't know a lot. How many of you at 16 knew everything? Can I see your hands? You knew everything, Wayne? How's it gone since then? Not very good, he said. (laughs) But here's the deal. At 16 years old, I realized I didn't know who God, I was looking for God. I found him. He found me, and I didn't know anything. But what I did know is that he changed my life. There's a guy in the Bible who had the same experience. He was born blind, the Bible tells us, born blind. And one day he has an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus opens his eyes. Now, can you imagine, just, just a side note, I want you to imagine for a moment, this guy, is ne- he was born blind, has never seen anything. Who's the first thing he saw? Who's the first person he saw? Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The first person he saw was God. That's amazing. Well, here's what happened. He was born blind. Everybody in town knew this guy. They knew he was born blind. Jesus did a miracle. So the religious leader said, get that guy in here. So they grabbed him and they brought him in. Now, this is just a guy that was on a street, homeless guy, whatever, he was out on the street. No religious training. He's just a guy. And they bring him in and they said, they wanted him to be a witness. Tell us what happened. And he said, look. And he was listening to what they were saying about, is Jesus the Christ? Is he not the Christ? You know, is he the son of God? Is he a blasphemer? Who is he? All these religious people were having this argument. And then there's this blind guy that's not blind anymore. And they turned to him, in effect, and said, you're a witness. What do you think? Imagine being in a room like this, and everybody's arguing about who Jesus is. And then this blind guy gets up. And this is what he said. I don't know about all that religious stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I I can almost say it. I've never been able to read the Bible. I can't even see. I don't know much of anything. But here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I can see. He was being a witness. Can I tell you something, friends? You don't have to understand the Bible backwards and forwards. You just need to know who Jesus is to you. You just need to know what he did, Lauren, what he did for you. Because you can be a witness about that. 
Because, see, I have people come up to me and say, hey, pastor, explain to me this in Revelations. And I'm like, go talk to Dr. Chambers. You know, I don't know everything. But what I do know is I had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed me. And I hope you did too. Because that's what people need to see. Be witnesses of what Jesus has done, but be witnesses about what he's done in your life. That's a game changer. Amen? I'm going to give you an illustration. I I think, I'm going to talk about church for a minute. I think there's two different types of churches. And I'm not talking about denominations. Who cares about that? I'm talking about two different types of churches. Okay? And I'm going to compare them to ships. Okay? So let's look at the first kind. Show me, show me. Oh, what is that, somebody? Battleship. Who sank my? Yeah, you just aged yourself. That's the 50 and above. Okay, so they, they knew the answer to that. That's the USS Washington, I believe, which is an old World War II battleship. Becky was checking that out earlier. That is awesome. You know what's crazy about that? There's two or 3,000 people that are on that ship. Everybody on that ship has a job. You would not walk around on that ship and see some guy standing out there in a polka dot shirt or something sitting around. It's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm on vacation. I signed up and they said it was going to be fun. The next thing I know, everybody on that ship has a job. And here's the deal. There's two different jobs that you have on a ship. One of them is maybe the job that you do. You might be a cook. You might be a clerk. You might be a carpenter. Whatever it is you are on the ship, but when that alarm goes off, everybody goes to where? Battle stations. And you may be making cupcakes, but when that alarm goes off, you may be now manning a gun because that's your battle station. This ship is about mission. It has a purpose. And there are churches, and I hope we're one of those, that we live with mission We live with purpose. We have a job, and our job is to share the gospel, to reach people, and set people free. We get to blow stuff up. I'm all about that. But we get to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you what, when you're somewhere and that thing shows up, it gets your attention. Because the kingdom of God has shown up, spiritually speaking. And here's the deal. For Americans, that's freedom. We're going to show up and we're going to make a difference so people can be free. So people don't have to be enslaved anymore. And that's why Jesus showed up. And he calls his church to be that. But there's another kind of church that may be like me, some of you. And before we show the picture, I'm going to tell you about it. There was recently a a group of pastors got together at a conference. One of the pastors walked up to one of the speakers and said, you know what? In our church, in our community, we've been thinking about what our mission is and what we're all about. And we've decided, we've made a a quality decision that what we're going to do as a church is that we're not going to focus on reaching our community anymore. We're just going to take care of the people that we have. And the speaker, he said, I wasn't trying to be mean. He said, but I looked at that guy and I said, well, I feel sorry for all the lost people in your community because you just slammed the door on them. Let me tell you the kind of church that is. It's a cruise ship. You know what, you know what that cruise ship's about? How many of you have ever been on a cruise? Because I want to go on one. I hear they're awesome as long as you have good food, and then if it's not, so good. But... But cruise ship's awesome. But what's a cruise ship about? Somebody tell me. What do you do on a cruise ship? 
Have fun. It's a vacation. It's a party. It's a party, and, and it's supposed to be. There's nothing wrong. By the way, there's nothing wrong with cruise ships. If you buy me a cruise, I'll go. It's cool, okay? I'm not saying I'm against cruise ships. Don't walk out of here and think I'm going to be picketing carnival. That's not going to happen. I'm talking about a mindset, and it's the mindset that says we're here to have fun, and you know what? We're kind of full, and there's no more room, and we're going to have a party, but you're not invited, and you look out in the water, and there's all those people that are drowning. Can I tell you something right now? That battleship, if somebody falls overboard, that ship will stop to go find that person. Because that person's important. That one person's important. Because it's not just about having fun. And I want to tell you, there are very few, if you know me at all, and many of you know me pretty well, I am all about fun. I'm what you call a party waiting to happen. I like having a good time. I do. I enjoy having fun. And as a church, we have fun, right? Last week we had pancakes. That was fun and filling right? I want to have fun. But you know what is more important to me? Is that you find your place and we reach people out there that are hurting and lost. Why? Because that's our mission. We are on mission. When that battleship pulls up, I want the devil to get nervous because we're coming to set people free. Amen? So remember that, okay? Nothing wrong with cruise ships. We're a battleship. All right, so let me just tell you something now. I've got three points, and then I'm going to close. So how do we do it? How do you find your purpose? How does this happen? Look at number one in your notes. Jesus, when he was ascending, he said this. He said, I want you to be witnesses about what I've done and about what I've done in your life. First in Jerusalem, he said. And then he said in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the world. So, so I want you to understand he was very purposeful when he said that. Jerusalem is where they lived. Jerusalem was home. That's the first place. So look at your notes. Number one on your notes says this, I am called to make a difference in my world. I am called to make a difference in my world. Now listen, your first ministry is where? Home. Very good. Your first ministry is home. Your mission field is your house. And and I want you to know, I I read this quote from Mother Teresa, and I've used it a lot lately, but I just love it so much. And here's what Mother Teresa said. If you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I talked to a gentleman recently that was talking about a relative, and this relative was in the ministry. And they were one way in the pulpit, but another way at home. And they grew up in that environment. And some of you may have had that experience where people were all churchy. They put on what I like to call their Jesus face at church. But then when they walked out the door, they were a completely different person. But our first ministry, Brandon, our first ministry is to our family. To Trisha and the kids are my first ministry. Even I'm your pastor. But my first ministry is here. And to the kids. But don't you love this? It's to your family and friends. Look at Mark 5 verse 19. 
It says, go home to your family and friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You go home and you have a ministry to your family, but you also have a ministry to your friends. Guys, there are people that you know that will never hear me speak. Bless their hearts. But God has called you to minister to them. God has called you to be a witness to them. The question is, what kind of witness are you? You say, Pastor, I can't talk about Jesus at work. Well, then do this. Do a really, really good job. And when people come ask you why you're so good at what you do, tell them, well, Jesus helps me out. And now you get to be a witness. That's how it works. Students, it's the same way. You say, man, I'm in, I'm in class and I've got friends. How to Live in such a way that they see Jesus in you guys. Can I just tell you, when I got saved at 16, it was a radical transformation. And my friends at school were coming up to me, and they're going, what happened to you? I'm like, dude, Jesus did something. My friends started getting saved. My friends started coming to Christ. And it wasn't because I was this great gospel speaker. I wasn't. All I knew, they, and they were looking at my life, and like, he was this way, and now something's happened. What is that? I want some of that. That's what it is. It's living your life in such a way that people wonder what's going on. Look at number two. Well, let me, let me read Proverbs 3 first. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 out of the Message Bible says this about making a difference in your world. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Wow. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. It's about being Jesus. You've heard me say this, being Jesus in the moment. Being God's hands and feet in the moment. But there's, there's something you have to do in order to do that. You have to live on, with purpose. You have to realize that's who you are. And you have to be cognizant of that, okay? Num- number two. So number one is I've got to love my family and friends. I've got to be a witness to those closest to me. That could be people at work, people at school, that's your family, etc. Number two, make a difference beyond my world. This is that outer circle. It's, this is beyond Jerusalem. Now we're in Judea, Samaria. These are people that are close to us, but they're not that tight to us. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 says this, Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. People that don't know you, just find something they're interested in talking about. You know? You know, reach out to them. And that's what Paul said. He goes, he said it this way, I've become all things to all men so that in some way I might be able to preach the gospel to them. And that's you. In an environment where you don't necessarily know people, find some common ground. And then use that as an opportunity to begin to build relationship and then begin to speak the truth in their life. Galatians 6.2 says this, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Help carry other people's burdens. Why is that important? Because when you love people, you gain influence in their life. That's what it means. When you listen to people, you gain influence in their life. And that's different than me preaching it at you. Have any of you ever been preached at? Anybody? Yeah, somebody pointed at their mom. <laughs> Now it's spanking time. That's what's going to happen now. Here's the deal. When I begin to love you, I gain influence in your life. Now I can speak truth to you. Find that common ground, okay? 
Here's number three, and then I'm going to close. Make a difference in the whole world. So we make a difference at home. We make a difference in our community and in our region. But then what about people that are in different countries? What about people that are in different places? Well, you guys saw a great example this morning. We're collecting money for missions. That money's going to go overseas and reach people in different parts of the world, different parts of the country. That's cool. But we're going to try something a little bit different in the next year. Uh, we've decided that we're going to do a mission trip. And our church is going to go to a foreign country like New Jersey or something. Or Louisiana. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know. But, but seriously, what we're going to do is we're going to do a mission trip. And we're working on that now. And we're, we're going to find, we're doing some research. And we're going to find a place. Some of you in this room, when I said that, are like, oh, I get to go on a mission trip. Right? And you're going to get to go and speak a foreign language like people in New Jersey. And, and you're going to get to go and be Jesus' hands and feet in another culture. We're going to make a difference beyond our world. Now, some of you are like, dude, a long way from here is Fulton County, <laughs> and that's as far as I want to go. That's cool. I'm okay with that too. But here's what you can do. You can give so they can go. And we're going to give people an opportunity. We're going to send a team from this church, and we're going to even open it up to some other people in the community, and we're going to send a team and go on a mission trip. So if that lights your fire, awesome. Okay? So we want to tangibly do things to give you the opportunity to do that as well. Look at Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to his followers, go where? Where's everywhere? Everywhere, even New Jersey. And tell the good news to who? Everyone. Why? Because people need to know what Jesus did for you, and he didn't know, he, they need to know what he did for them. Everyone and everywhere. Mark 10 verse 29 says this, Jesus replied, let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything for love of me, I think you, to tell others the good news who won't be given back a hundred times over. You remember we talked about finding joy? Finding joy? Can I tell you something, guys? It's not a pastor thing. It's a ministry thing. When Jesus begins to move in your life and he touches somebody's life through you, that changes everything. You don't have to be a great speaker. You just have to be available. And then Jesus began to love people through you. You become a conduit for Jesus' love to reach out to other people. And every person in this room can be that way. You just have to be available. You just have to be available. There's the last big thought that I have for you on your notes. Here's what it says. I will never be satisfied. It's not enough to make a dollar when my purpose was to make a difference. I will never be satisfied. It's not enough just to make a dollar when my purpose is to make a difference. I want to close with this. Many of you, most of you have never heard this. Some of you know I used to work at the ballpark in Arlington way back in the day. One of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because they're about to demolish the thing. It's basically brand new, and they're going to go in there because it's not big enough for people to come see the Rangers lose, so they need a bigger place for that, apparently. Don't put that out there. They'll be mad at me. (laughs) My job 
was the director of marketing for the broadcast division for the Texas Rangers and Dallas Stars. My job was to help get people to come to baseball games and hockey games and other stuff. It was awesome. I'll tell you where my office was. Center field. I had a parking space right outside. During, when everybody was trying to get to the games, I had this special pass. I could drive through traffic. They'd wave me up. I'd go in, and there would be a guard in there. Hello, Mr. Clem. Hello. Come on up. Third floor. Elevator goes up, opens up. There's my office right across that from the elevator. Walked in. I looked out over the parking lot, but across the hall from me was my suite. When they hit a home run into the grass, if you see that, if you ever watch a Texas Ranger game in the ballpark in Arlington and you count three floors up, that's where my office, where my suite was. It was awesome. It was a sweet suite. <laughs> Can I ask you something? Does that sound like a cool job? And you know what else? I was really good at it. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth. But something began to change into my heart after a couple years, and Trish will tell you. We started having conversations, and I want to tell you the day that I walked out one day. It was a beautiful day. It was a sunshine. It was an afternoon game. I walk out, and there's a rail on the suite, and I'm standing outside, and I look out, and there's 30,000 people cheering this game. And I had this thought come up in my spirit. I got all help get all these people here, and I can't tell one of them about Jesus. And it hit me that I got a good job, but I'm not living my purpose. And we started talking about that. Can I tell you, I have people in my family still mad at me because <laughs> I resigned from that job. They're like, what is wrong with you? We get free tickets. <laughs> True story. We took Taylor to a ball game one time after I left the ballpark. And she goes, and we're sitting out in the stands. And we're sitting there, and she looks around, and she goes, where's my food? <laughs> and it's hot out here. She had been to all these baseball games her whole life. She had never sat in the stands before. All she ever knew was a sweet. But the reason that we're here is because we wanted to see God change people's lives. Vision, purpose, true story. So here's the thing. It's not about your job. It's about your purpose. Are you at the place in life where you're willing to say, God, here I am. Use me where I am. Give me purpose because I want joy. Chasing things is not going to fulfill it. You need him in your life to give you purpose. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Father, thank you for dying for us. Jesus, thank you for the stripes that you took on your back for carrying that cross. Jesus, for the thorns that you had on your head. Lord, the punishment that you took for me, not so I could just get by in life, but so I could be free. Lord, for, for coming and, and taking my punishment on yourself so that I would have a purpose to live. 
And Lord, I ask you today, as we're sitting in this moment, this holy moment, I pray that your presence would just fill this place and you begin to speak to each person. The Lord, that they would look at their life. Here's the question, guys. Here's the question. Am I fulfilled? Maybe you're like one of those dogs at the racetrack that's just laying down. You don't even know if you want to get up in the morning. You're dealing with depression. You don't have a reason. Or maybe you're like one of those other dogs that's just running around in circles, and because you don't have a vision, you're getting into all kinds of trouble. You're trying to find fulfillment in things and ways that will never satisfy you. I promise, I know, there's not enough stuff. Maybe you're like that last dog that you're just mad at the world. You're mean, you don't wanna be, but you're mad. And if you're honest, you're mad because you don't have purpose. And you've been hurt. And you take it out on people around you. And you don't want to be that way. But you can't help it. Can I tell you, there's a cross. There's a Savior who said, I've come to set the captives free. And I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to give you a life worth living. That's the truth. If you're here today, nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. This is a holy moment. Maybe that's you. And you're ready for that to stop. You're ready to have purpose. You're ready to have vision ready to receive forgiveness. You want to be able to get past your past. To have an encounter with Christ. If that's you today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him as Savior. That punishment that he took, he took it for you. And he did it so that you could have a life worth living. If you're here today and you need to receive Christ as your Savior or you're a Christ follower but you've wandered away, but you want to rededicate your life, either one of those things, if that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to rededicate my life. It's me. I don't know Jesus, but I need him. This is not about religion. You care less about religion. This is about a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian. This is for somebody. This is for somebody. And you're dealing with depression so bad, you just, you don't, you don't even know how you get around. It was hard to get up and get ready this morning. It was hard to come. And you've been fighting this a long time. And there's no joy in your life. Can I tell you, Jesus wants to help you with that. He wants to give you a life worth living. If that's you, slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that is me. I see your hand. 
Syria. devil has done such a good job of keeping us down, guys. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, which means overflowing. And that's the truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He's it. folks that raise their hand this morning. So here's what I want to do. Want everybody just place your hand over your heart this morning. There's nothing magical about this. I just want you to focus on you. And this is everybody. Because I know there are other people that didn't raise their hand that needed to. Let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your hope. I need your peace. And I need purpose. I'm asking you today, forgive me. Set me free from my past. And give me an incredible future. Thank you for the cross. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now here's the thing. If you prayed that this morning and you meant that, and you meant it, that's freedom in there. And I want you to know something. Sometimes, and it's awesome to see it, God, there's an immediate freedom that comes with that. Sometimes we have to walk that out. It doesn't mean you're not forgiven. Sometimes we need to talk about some stuff and help you get that out of your life. If that's you, we will do that with you because we want to see you find your purpose. Amen? Find your freedom. So you come see one of us, we will talk to you. We'll set up a time to do that, okay? Amen. You know what? I've thought it over, and I really love you guys. Some of you, I'm on the bubble, but most of you, Trisha and I love you guys so much. It is our joy to be your pastors. This is not a job. This is not a job. This is a joy. And we love you guys. We want to see God do amazing things in your life. Amen. Well, in a second, I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I've got some students. Who are my students that are helping stack chairs today? All right, you guys go ahead and go to the sides. Now, when I pray over you in a minute, some of you I need to stay behind and help them reset this room. And they are the boss. You're the boss. It's exciting, isn't it? You get to tell adults what to do. This is a one-time offer. (laughs) Aren't you proud of our teenagers, guys? Aren't you? I am. I'm so proud of them. But in a moment, they're going to, if you'll help them, they're going to reset this room for the youth on Wednesday night. Let's all stand. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. Grab your neighbor's hand for me this morning. 
Lord, I just thank you for these amazing people. And Father, I thank you that everyone is here today. No one is here by accident. And Father, I thank you that, that your purpose in our lives is to give us fulfillment and give us peace and give us a life worth living. Jesus, I pray today that as we prayed that, and Lord, those that meant it, I pray that you would show yourself to them and that this week, Lord, they would begin to see you move in their life and that you would do some amazing things and they would know that you are God, and I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, as you guys leave today, high five three people. Tell them God loves them. We'll see you Wednesday night.